Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. I'm the sports professor, Rick Harrow, and you are Keeping Score. Busy, busy weeks. NFL preseason opens up. Premier League and other European soccer leagues begin again. Hockey, basketball, just getting ready to start. Baseball pennant races heating up. Golf majors over, but the FedEx Cup is not. And on and on and on. And it's time to look at deals of the week. Three to one. We start with the sad one, which is number three. When I was in junior high school and high school, I worshipped number 85 middle linebacker Nick Bonaconti as the linchpin of the undefeated 1972 Super Bowl champion Miami Dolphins. After graduating Harvard Law School, I came back to South Florida, ready to embark on a sports career. But unfortunately, other than the Dolphins, no major league sports were to be had. I was working with a commercial law firm in Miami, but my dream was to help bring the next set of sports franchises to South Florida. Nick was an established practicing lawyer in Miami having studied by night at Suffolk Law School while playing for the then Boston Patriots. And after meeting him, it became obvious that I wanted to work with him. We agreed that I would work with him and Dolphins owner Joe Robbie to create the first Miami Sports Authority and to bring other pro sports to South Florida. Nick was my original legal mentor in Miami. His vision, understanding, and mixture of outward toughness and inner compassion would never ever be forgotten. It was amazing when he announced that he would donate his brain to science two years ago for CTE study, and even more amazing that he was known for so many things beyond football. I treasured my time with him, and I'll always honor his legacy. That, to me, is dealmaker point number three, known the world over. Number two, the cost to attend an NFL game has gone up astronomically over the last decade, and according to Team Marketing Report, ticket prices alone jumped about 40% across all NFL stadiums, and today you'll spend close to $200 per person to see a game at a priciest pro football mecca. Researchers at the University of Cal Berkeley reached that conclusion. Their fan cost calculations factor in ticket prices, parking, and what fans uh, buy, one beer and one hot dog. Five most expensive NFL stadiums for fans, using numbers from the study. Number five, Gillette, the home for the Patriots in New England, $181.98 per. Number four, Levi Stadium for the Niners in San Francisco, $191.50 per. Number three, Washington Redskins FedEx Field, average cost, $192.02. And number two, Soldier Field in Chicago, average fan cost, $195.15. And number one, AT&T Stadium, home of the Cowboys. And despite Jerry World having pioneered the SRO concept in stadium standing room only, the average fan there cost is $199.20. People still come. That's number two. Number one, FIFA may leave Switzerland. The New York Times and senior executives at FIFA, the world's governing soccer league body, seriously considering leaving Switzerland, the home for nearly 90 years. And under current president Gianni Infantino, FIFA's tried to move away from its past, especially the allegedly corrupt reign of past president Sepp Blatter. The discussion surrounding leaving Zurich is driven by many factors, but high on the list are difficulties in hiring staff members from outside the EU and an acceptance that continuing to base its operations in a country with a reputation for 
corporate secrecy might not align with the goals of an organization trying to win back the public trust. Plans could include leaving Zurich entirely or opening subsidiary offices in other parts of the world to give it better access to and oversight of the 211 member associations. The organization's current headquarters, known as FIFA House, was completed in 2007 at a cost of over $200 million. We'll monitor this closely, but that's number one. Well, soccer is the key. We went to and be were part of the MLS All-Star Week and festivities in Orlando last week, thanks to Buddy Dyer, the mayor, who talked about $100 million of economic impact and otherwise. But this week, more than ever, is really a tribute to MLS. Don Garber celebrates the 20th year at the helm, August 4. Frankly, he's seen values increase, now $240 million, up 8% a year. Expansion to 24 clubs, 24th season. Cincinnati third in the MLS, a real success. Atlanta, a major deal last year. $30 million in expansion price in 2019, $300 million in 2009, $300 million this last year. And with 30 teams soon, it'll be the largest top-flight soccer league in the world in terms of number of franchises. 20 built stadiums, 7 committed, 4-year deal with the media, $90 million annually, and a marketing deal with Soccer United Marketing, making 6-year, $117 million extension, certainly a big deal. Don Garber, the pioneer called the Soccer Don of Soccer in America and the MLS, sat down with us last week. And here's what he had to say. So, Commissioner, it's really important. Two things. Congratulations. First of all, being in the sport business handbook, which is more important to me than it is to you, but there are a lot of other people in there. And second of all, August 4, 20 years. Yeah. So, August 4, 1999. Any idea that you'd be here 20 years from now presiding over a league where the average franchise value is $240 million and probably more? Because Forbes always underestimates. Yeah, I mean, never. I never expected it, Rick. So it's been a great 20-year ride. It's been hard, uh, but enormously fulfilling. The league's in a great spot, thanks to our owners and you know, all the people that believe in Major League Soccer, from our fans to our players to all of our administrators. Well, watching the dynamic of a meeting like this and just sitting back and watching how you comfortably preside as any veteran commissioner slash CEO would preside over a group that has ultimate confidence in you. Uh, it, it's got to be rewarding where, I don't want to minimize it, but a lot of this is on automatic pilot and you can say something in a meeting and people will understand that that's the way it is without questioning it. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> I think it's getting, in theory, a it's getting better. You know, the longer you're in it, I remember David Stern yeah. once told me that you know, his life got easy when every single team that was around the table he had brought in. Yeah. So you have a relationship with, uh, with those clubs from the time they're interested in coming into Major League Soccer through their purchase process to their ongoing engagement with their, uh, with their club and with their city. So you know, I know them all. I've known them all for a long time. When the other leagues, and I'm really not, this is not about comparing you to the other leagues, although we could make a great pro rata case over the last 20 years. We won't do that because you're not going to take the bait. 20 stadiums, seven new stadiums, $3 billion in construction, your people say. And when other commissioners take the lead, it's a, well, we got existing stadiums, so we'll get around to trying to figure it out. You were kind of on the hot seat early. You understood how important stadiums were to your deal, and you had to get a public-private partnership done in a model that it never worked before. 
difficult. Yeah, I mean, for sure, Rick. I mean, that is the story of our league over the last 20 years. Certainly one of the big stories. You know, billions and billions and billions of dollars invested in infrastructure, not just stadiums, but training grounds. And, uh, you know, that creates permanence and it creates a home for our fans and our players. And so the whole thing also, it's not just marketing, but it's substance behind marketing. Did you ever think that James Harden would be a significant piece of driving up the enterprise value of the MLS? <laughs> I never did, and I'm happy he has. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, but, but it happens all yeah, over the country, fun, right? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely. And so television issues, Eric Shanks here today, other television executives understand as well the, the whole issue of where television's going but yet there's more product, there's more diversity, there's Sinclair, there's RSNs, and that whole, that whole world. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, we're in the live the content business, live content's driving a lot of the energy in the over-the-top OTT world. Uh, the fact that we have a very young fan base that's very sanguine in the world of digital absorption and engagement, uh, I think it bodes well for us. One more comment that's interesting after watching you as a veteran adeptly, incredibly adeptly, adeptly uh, ad, uh, fielding expansion questions relative to the people that, notwithstanding the fact you're not going to give it, want a commitment, not only today and where and how much and whatever, but it's got to be heartening to know that you got you got m m way more bidders and way more interest than you have spots. Yeah, I think it's a credit, Rick, to where soccer in America is, yeah. you know, that it's a good value proposition for those who are interested in investing in sports. The sport is on the rise. We've got the World Cup coming in in 2026. We've got lots and lots of energy around Major League Soccer, and you put all those things together, and successful people who've got money to invest and have a passion for sport and a particular passion for soccer, it seems to be a really good opportunity for them. Yes and no. I mean, the no is, yeah, it's, it's an environment of soccer, but over the last 10 years, you go from $30 million expansion fee to 300. What's that number? It's a, it's a big, like it's 100,000 percent? I don't know what the number is, but it's a pretty significant percent, and it's market-driven. Yeah, I mean, it, it is driven by sort of the, the increase in opportunity. Yeah. I don't think it's just about bidders. I've heard that story before. I don't care how many bidders you have. Yeah, if something's not valuable, sources. really smart people are not going to bid on it. Just yeah. because there are a lot of them doesn't mean that it's going to drive up prices. Right? That's just basic economics. A couple of quickies. What, what do you say when people point to the $3.5 billion value of like Real Madrid and Barcelona and Man U, um, and they say the value here is smaller? Obviously, you got 30 teams. I mean, it's, it's the largest. It's, uh, yeah. it, it, it speaks to the opportunity, yeah. Rick. I mean, if yeah. you can own a soccer team and, and uh, in, in, a, in La Liga in Spain or own it in England with Arsenal, then they're going to be valuable. Part of it is because of the popularity of the sport. We're going to work hard to make MLS more popular so our teams become more valuable. So in 2026, when the World Cup is here, are you still running MLS? Uh, I doubt that. Wow, that was a pretty, pretty <laughs> damn candid answer. <laughs> I think I probably got more of a candid answer than you give it to anybody else. But obviously, the league continues to move yeah. forward in the legacy. Yeah. The as well. yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that there's been, I mean, I think that would be, what, almost 30 years or something like that. I don't see that happening. Yeah, well, but you've created an incredible legacy. No, it, so. would, be, uh, yeah, it would be 28 years. So that's a long time. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's a long time for anything. So, a hundred of the greatest uh, fifty years of the sports business. A hundred people involved. Again, I, I really, really, really appreciate and am honored that you're in this book. And the book is uh, is better for having you in it. Great. Thank Thanks, you, man. Rick. Take care. Thank you. Enjoy the game. Okay. 
Well, keeping all this in perspective, let's remember that Don Garber provides, uh, presides over a league where the average franchise value is $240 million, but yet Real Madrid, according to Forbes, is worth $3.64 billion. Barcelona, $3.54 billion. Man U, 3.3. Bayern Munich, 2.6. Arsenal, 2.0. The point is, Don Garber has made tremendous progress, but let's also put it in perspective. Time for the top tech issues, our Sports Tech Minute. New Orleans Pelicans rookie and basketball sensation Zion Williamson signed a multi-year participation deal with NBA 2K. The former number one overall pick will be integrated in various game initiatives, consumer events, brand creative, and social activations. He joins an elite list of players with similar deals. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, the Greek freak, Stephon Curry, James Harden, and others. Williamson said that he's played the game his whole life, and it's an honor to be part of the 2K team. The 19-year-old South Carolinian has made 33 appearances in his lone season with the Blue Devils, racking up averages of 22.6 points on 68% shooting from the field. This is a big business step for the Pelicans and Williamson, who's in the midst of legal battles with a sports marketing company that tried to sue him after he tried to void their contract. And shifting to Tokyo, the Olympics next year is set to be the first multi-platform Olympic Games. Thousands of streams and video replays will be available to viewers on a variety of devices dramatically expanding upon the number of contextual targeting opportunities for brands and the athletes they sponsor. Rather than being an Olympic official brand, some may opt to place themselves adjacent to the news, commentary, and pictures about the latest events. Tokyo, 13 hours ahead of the U.S., and a massive portion of U.S. viewing will inevitably be the time-shifted digital variety. And digital delivery will allow marketers to address their ads not simply on audience demographics, but also contextually. And although Rio 2016 may have been a disappointment for Olympic advertisers, tech-savvy brands will ensure 2020 in Tokyo is highly profitable. And that's your Sports Tech Minute. Finally, the Power of Sports Minute. The Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins, working with able gamers to bring hockey and esports to all. Series of connections brought about by video gaming started in May when the Penguins, Cavs Legion, and the Pittsburgh Knights participated with Point Park University to host an esport event that led to a meeting between the Pittsburgh Penguins Foundation and Able Gamers. The group was so impressed by the organization, they reached out to Peng- Penguins and their foundation. Able Gamers Charity is a nonprofit that wields the power of gaming to break down barriers of economic and social isolation for children, adults, and veterans with disabilities. With the combination of technologies such as mouth controllers, eye gaze, and customized controllers, they find a way for people to play video games no matter their disability. And after the tournament concluded, the Penguins Foundation donated $25,000 to Able Gamers and made a commitment to help them continue their mission. And finally, Kevin Durant's heart has left San Francisco, but his parting gift combines art and basketball. The 10-time All-Star, he heads to Brooklyn, but he wanted to make sure his name was still going to be associated with the Bay Area by leaving a renovated basketball court at the Hayes Valley Playground in San Francisco. Last week, San Francisco Recreation and Park celebrated the reopening of Hayes Valley Playground at Buchanan and Hayes Streets, a renovation, according to uh, all, partially funded by Durant's charity. The local artist Apexer worked with the vintage contractors to uh, create the masterpiece, 
which held a lot of detail, huge painting and huge art, special paint and the right colors to the surface. Durant founded his foundation to enrich the lives of at-risk youth from low-income neighborhoods through educational, athletic, and social programs. The latest collaboration clearly meets that goal, and that's your Power of Sports Minute. We'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. We'd like to thank our folks for putting this all together. We'd obviously like to thank Don Garber for giving of his time and talking about the past and future of soccer. And we want you to join us next week when we continue to keep score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.